My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and we're so glad to be with you. It's Monday. We're starting a brand new week, and in Home Group this week, we're going to be discussing what I'm teaching in my regular TV program. And this week the subject is accepting your God-assigned place. Do you see that? You can download that study guide for free. Is that right, Joel? That's right. And you know what? I think that would be a great thing to do today because we're going to go through this whole series this week. We are. We're going to go through the whole study guide together. And by the way, while you're at the website, you should also order the series, the whole five-part series called Accepting Your God-Assigned Place. This is so good. And Denise is here with us tonight. Denise, do you remember when I wrote The Point of No Return? Absolutely. We were living in Yelgava, Latvia, we in were. our first house that yes. we lived in for a long time. When we moved to the Soviet Union, for us, it was The Point of No yes. Return. Yes. So I really wrote this book from a place of divine revelation. And the subtitle says, Tackling Your Next New Assignment with Courage and Common Sense. It's not enough just to have a word from God. You need to have courage and you need to use common sense. You can use common sense and act in faith at the same time. And today we're going to see that we need to accept God's assigned place for our lives. You know, when God called us to all move to the Soviet Union, it was quite a shock because mom and I had just bought a house near Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa. We were so proud of our house. We had struggled, we had fought, and finally we had a beautiful home. And, you know, it was kind of Preacher Avenue because Brother Hagen lived a couple blocks away and Carmen didn't live far and T.L. Osborne and Oral Roberts lived a couple blocks away. Wow. I mean, we were so excited about where we were living. And then I got a phone call inviting me to go to the Soviet Union on a mission trip. And I did not want to go. I just did not want to do that because I wasn't interested in missions. It's kind of funny looking on that now. I was not interested in missions. <laughs> It's even kind of funny that you even say something like that now about yourself. Because we are missions. Mm -hmm. But the people who contacted me just guilted me into saying yes. They actually said, okay, Rick, if you don't want to go, just stay in your beautiful house in Tulsa, Oklahoma, near the country club, while the world goes to hell, and we'll go to the Soviet Union. Well, I felt so guilty after that that I said, okay, okay, I'll go. Well, I'm a man of my word. So I went. And you hardly knew these people. Well, I knew one of them. The other two I hardly even knew. And I remember being on the airplane angry, thinking, I could be doing meetings in the United States and on the airplane with men I hardly know and going to the Soviet Union, the world's biggest prison camp. And this was your first international trip, I believe. It was, to minister. Mm -hmm. And so finally we got to the Soviet Union, and you know the story. When I stood in the pulpit, the Holy Spirit said, Welcome to your new home. What? My new home? You've got to be kidding me. This dilapidated place? And I have to tell you that I did not immediately obey. I kept thinking, you know, if I don't tell anybody what God has said to me, then I can disobey and nobody will ever know I'm disobedient. So I'll just keep it to myself and I'll just silently disobey. But the Holy Spirit would not leave me alone. He's like the hound dog of heaven. And he knows how to just follow you, be right on your trail. 
And finally the day came when I surrendered. And do you know what? When Denise and I got on that plane with our sons and our nanny, and we flew to the Soviet Union and we landed, guess what? We stepped into God's assigned place for our lives. It was kind of a struggle getting there. But when we finally embraced it, guys, what happened? Fun. We started having fun. Actually, I would say we have just lived a life filled with adventure. I would say miracles happened. Miracles happened. People's lives changed. And I think... So many miracles. God's provision. Well, and the door was so open to the gospel. People were so hungry for the gospel. They were hungry for miracles. There wasn't medicine. There wasn't hardly any aspirin. And you come with the healing power, the healing message of Jesus. They come running. And you know, I want to say something else. Yeah. That what we experienced when you and mom agreed to take us to the other side of the world to reach people that you guys didn't even know. We saw things, miracles that we would have never experienced if we had stayed where we were. Yeah, funny because I was thinking that if we moved, we were going to miss so much. Mm-hmm. But then I understood if we didn't move, what would we really miss? Because God had something planned for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, knowing the will of God and getting into the will of God sometimes is two different things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's a transition mentally for you to break down barriers so you can get where you're supposed to be. Maybe you know right now what God wants you to do, and you're not there. You know it, but you're not there yet. We're going to show you this week, every night in home group, that sometimes it really is a transition to get from what you know to where you actually need to be. And that happened with you. It happened with me. You didn't want to go. You tried to talk yourself out of it, tried to get your friends to talk you out of it. And they kept on confirming what the Spirit told you. But doing the will of God is the best thing anybody can ever do. In fact, I have a book called The Will of God, The Key to Your Success. And when you finally transition to where God wants you to be, you will position yourself to live in God's supernatural power, provision, and protection. But hey, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Got it. All right, Acts chapter 9, verse 15, describes the moment when the Apostle Paul was saved and Ananias came. And Ananias came in and laid hands on Paul and prophesied over him. Now, this is really central to what we're going to be discussing every night this week. Ananias prophesied, and here's what he prophesied. For Paul is a chosen vessel unto me. Listen to the order. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. In that very moment, God's explicit will for Paul's life was imparted. Number one above everything else. Number one, before anything else, he was to minister to the Gentiles. Gentiles. Number two, to kings. And third on the list, the last priority of all, the children of Israel. But the order was very clear. This was the prophetic order. Paul, first of all, above anything else, number one in your life, you are to focus on Gentiles. Number two, kings. And number three, lowest on the list, if you have time to do it, the children of Israel. And we know that Paul really understood that. Because later when he stood in front of King Agrippa... He repeats this several times. He repeats it and he even elaborates. Well, Luke wrote the book of Acts. And when Luke recorded Paul's conversion in Acts chapter 9, he didn't tell everything. But when you get to Acts chapter 26 and Paul's telling the story himself, he adds details 
that are not in chapter 9. So let's go there. Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 26, we're going to begin in verse 13, go to verse 18. So now Paul is standing before King Agrippa, and he begins to fill in details that you don't read about in chapter 9. He says, At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, that's something that you don't read about in chapter 9. In chapter 9, you think just he fell to the earth. But now he says, we all fell to the earth. And he says, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue. That's also not recorded in chapter 9. But here Paul says, Jesus spoke to me in my own language. And I really like that because it doesn't matter where you are in the world, God speaks to you in your own language. If you're English, isn't that amazing? God can speak to you in English. If you're a Russian, God speaks to you in Russian. God is multilingual. And he spoke to Paul in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard for thee to kick against the bricks? And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now he begins to fill in the details. Here's what Jesus says. Rise. This is not in Acts chapter 9, but here it is in Paul's own words. Rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Don't you like that? From the very moment of his salvation, God began to reveal his purpose to him. I've appeared unto thee for this purpose. And right from the outset, Jesus says to make you a minister. So Paul finds out he's called into the ministry. Here he was persecuting Christians. And now he's going to be in the ministry. And now he's a minister. And a witness, both of those things which thou hast seen, of the things in which I will be appearing unto thee. So now Paul knows... I'm called into the ministry, and I'm going to have a ministry of divine revelation. Jesus is appearing to me. He's going to keep appearing unto me. And then Jesus says, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. Wait. That means when Ananias showed up and prophesied over Paul and said, Paul, God is sending you to the Gentiles, that wasn't the first time he had heard it. Prophecy is intended to confirm what you already know. Mm. Ananias simply confirmed what Paul had already heard from the mouth of Jesus. And Jesus said, The Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, whose eyes? The Gentile eyes. To turn them from darkness to light, who? Gentiles. Gentiles. And from the power of Satan unto God, who? Gentiles. And that they who? Gentiles Gentiles. might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So in this verse, Jesus says to Paul, in the moment Paul is getting saved, Gentiles, 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 Gentiles. Well, that had to be a really strange thing for Paul to hear because Paul was Jewish to his bones In fact, when you read the story in Acts chapter 3, it says that Paul could not eat or drink anything for three days. Some people say, well, he must have gone on a fast to start his ministry. No, I think he was so sick to his stomach that he couldn't eat. Here he was persecuting Christians. Now he's a minister. He was probably confused inside, and he was blind. And he was trained as a Jew to look at Gentiles like they were low-level, dirty, filthy, stinking dogs. And now Jesus says, I'm going to send you to the low-level, dirty filthy, stinking dogs, here's your ministry. I think Paul could not eat. It's like when God called us to the Soviet Union and I finally embraced it, I vomited for 24 hours. Wow. I understand Paul completely. 
God didn't make me vomit. I just got upset thinking about what God was calling us to do. But we know that Paul really understood his call because listen to what he says in Romans 11, verse 13. Turn there, guys. Romans 11, verse 13. And we're going to kind of move around, but I want you to see this. All right. And in Romans 11, verse 13, Paul, speaking of himself, says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Gentiles. I magnify mine office. Paul knew he was sent as an apostle to the Gentiles. Okay, how about Galatians chapter 2 and verse 8? Let's go there. Galatians. Paul writes, For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship, to the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Gentiles. Again, confirming, I'm called to the Gentiles. How about Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1? Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Over and over, Paul affirms, I'm called to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles, to the Gentiles. But this was really difficult for Paul to initially grasp. And in fact, when Paul finally launched out into his ministry from Antioch with Barnabas, in the first five years, what did he do? He went to the Jews. He went to the Jew, to the Jew, to the Jew, to the Jew, to the Jew. In fact, I even have it written here how many times he went to the Jews. Listen to this. In the cities of Salamis, that's Acts 13, verse 5, he went straight into the synagogue of the Jews. In Acts 13, verse 14, in Antioch, he went right into the synagogue of the Jews. In Iconium, Acts 14, verse 1, he went right into the synagogue of the Jews. Acts 17, verse 1, in Thessalonica, he went right into the synagogue of the Jews. In Acts 17, 10, in Berea, right into the synagogue of the Jews. Even in Acts chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, when he came into Corinth, he tried to find Jews. And finally, we find that even in Corinth, in Acts chapter 18, Paul went to the synagogue of the Jews. Well, it makes sense. He was a Jew. He looked like a Jew. If you looked at him, you probably knew that he was a Jew. When he talked, you probably knew that he was a Jew. He thought like a Jew. He was trained as a Jewish scholar. He knew Hebrew. He knew the Old Testament. He understood Jewish customs. Culture. He was just naturally attracted to Jews. It's how you and I are about Russians. When we're traveling the world and we're sitting in an airport lounge, we can look across the room and we know who is a Russian. Is that amazing, Paul? No, oh, you can do it all the time. And you feel attracted to them. There's an attraction, a magnetism, because that's who you are. Well, we're not Russians, but we are in our hearts. And we've lived here three decades. You're just attracted to your own kind. Well, Paul was attracted to his own kind. And we know from his words in Romans chapter 9 that he had a real burden for the Jew. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, he said this amazing statement. He said, I would that I were cursed for Christ if the, gen, if the Jews could be saved. Now here's what's totally amazing. Even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles and gave his life to the Gentiles, he never said anything like that about the Gentiles. He didn't have a natural affinity for Gentiles. But that's where he was called. And I think this is important because sometimes I hear delusional statements from preachers who say, God will never call you where you're not comfortable. Well, that is delusional. Of course he will. 
That's why missionaries go to other countries. That's why missionaries were fried in pots by natives. They went where it was not comfortable. And if they didn't, we wouldn't be saved today. Of course God will call you where you're not comfortable. He'll challenge you. He'll stretch you. He might call you where you're comfortable. He might not. Paul was called to a people group he never dreamed in a million years he would give his life to. According to his tradition, he wasn't even supposed to sit at the same table with a Gentile. And now God turned him into the apostle to the Gentiles. And he had a period of about five years when he really struggled. And in those five years, very interesting, he was not successful. He went from city to city, from synagogue to synagogue. He did occasionally reach Gentiles, but it was kind of accidental. And he had success with them. Always had success with Gentiles, but he really didn't care because his focus was on the Jew, the Jew, the Jew, the Jew, because that's what he was. That's who he wanted to reach. But in those first five years, he was stoned. He was run out of town. He had to work a job. He had no financial support. Paul never had success until he got to Corinth in Acts chapter 18 when he changed his focus and began to really focus primarily on Gentiles and suddenly money showed up, protection showed up, people began to get saved. He was not chased out of town. When he finally woke up, you're going to see this in tomorrow's program, and he said, you know what, I'm done with these Jews. I'm clean of you. The Greek literally means I've worked you out of my system and I'm free of you. Wow. From henceforth, he says, I'm going to go to the Gentile. Well, that's what he was supposed to do from the beginning. It just took him five years to finally fix it in his mind. You know what? I'm called to the Gentiles. It might take you a while to get where you're supposed to be. Knowing the will of God and being in it are not the same thing. And sometimes there's a transition process, which for Paul was five years. For some people, it takes longer. But the quicker you embrace your God-assigned place, the quicker you will experience power, provision, and protection. Denise? Well, I've, I've been thinking about Jesus because there was nothing comfortable about the call that was on Jesus to give his life. But yet he knew. He knew what he was called to. He knew how he was going to die. He knew how he was going to suffer. And even in Gethsemane, he is still saying, Father, I don't want to do this three times. And that process that I, I think we all go through we do. in different stages at our life of embracing the call of God, it is an embracing it of is. it. And sometimes it's a process. Yes, and it's a leaving of something else. That's right. And it's a taking hold of something new. And honestly, I think that we all want something that's comfortable to us mm -hmm. because we like to be comfortable. But we have to look not just at the Apostle Paul, but at Jesus mm -hmm. because he went through, if you want to talk about comfort, he went through the most discomfortable place ever. He came here and gave his life. And, and he is our, he's our example. He's, he's everything that he paid the price to show us. Mm -hmm. 
that it was a price. Rick, it was a price. It was a price, but you know, I'm thinking about another example, which I really cover in this book, The Will of God, and that is the example of Abraham. Yeah. God said very clearly to Abraham, Abraham, I want you and your wife to leave. Leave your country. Leave alone. Mm -hmm. Come by yourselves, and I'm going to show you a new land that I'm going to give to you. Well, that was really hard for Abraham to comprehend. What do you mean, leave alone? I've got a daddy. I've got a nephew. I've got people that depend on me. The only thing Abraham did right was he left. He took his dad. His dad got sick in Haran. They had to camp out for five years yeah. waiting for his daddy to die before they can continue. Yeah. He brought Lot. And you know what? Lot wasn't supposed to be there. Messed up Lot's life. Brought all of those people. Finally, they got into the land of promise. It was a famine. If he and Sarah had come by themselves, there would have been plenty of food. But he couldn't feed all the folks. So they had to go over into Egypt where he made his next mistake. That's where he picked up Hagar in the city of modern-day Aswan, that's the next problem in his life. They went all the way to Aswan? All the way to Aswan. That's where Abraham went. That's a long way away from Israel. Just messing up, <laughs> messing up, messing up. <laughs> as he's trying to figure out, you know what? It's supposed to be me and Sarah. And real blessing didn't come into his life until Lot separated from him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when finally it was just Abraham and Sarah, which is what God said from the very beginning. Then the promise came. The promise started coming. Everything started coming together. But it took him a number of years to get from what God said to actually be where God told him to be. God wants us to get to the promise. He wants us to get to that place that he's calling us to because he knows that's where the reward is and that's where the harvest is. Amen. Mom, I'm so glad you're on the program. It's so good to be with you. <laughs> Thanks, glad Joel. Good to have Mom back this But week. I want to go back to Paul, the Apostle Paul. I believe in the beginning of his ministry, please correct me if I'm wrong, but he started off with Barnabas. He did. And I think with Barnabas, maybe he had a heart for the Jews. And I don't know if that's a fact or not. Yeah, it's very possible because Paul redirected to the Gentiles when he was free of Barnabas. You might be right. So the same thing happened with Abraham, with his, his nephew, yep. his father. Could happen with Paul and Barnabas. Well, when we come back in tomorrow night's home group, guess what we're going to talk about? Making sure that your friends mm. and your family mm. and familiar voices don't talk you out. Oh. of being where you're supposed that's to be. That's very important. And that's really hard because we all love our family. Mm -hmm. We love our friends. We find comfort in their voices. And sometimes people who love us will say, I don't know if you should do that. I know you think God's told you to do that, but you know what? You might lose your insurance. You have a house payment to make. You know, you have real security where you are right now. Even though you know God spoke to you, those comforting voices can kind of talk you out of what you're supposed to do. And you have to learn how to recognize the right voices and resist the wrong voices. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow night. But guys, this has been awesome. Wow. It's gone like that. This, oh got, this really flew by. Denise, would you pray for our home group? I would love to. Oh, Father, thank you for this opportunity 
to be with our home group. Yes. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is right here yes, among yes, us. Yes. We're gathered in your name and your presence is here. Yes. And Father, we just once again turn our lives over to you yes, we do. to do your will, Lord. Help us, Lord, as you calling us further to put aside those things that pull us another direction and to go forward with you, God. Thank you, Father, for your direction and grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember that if you need prayer, you can call us 1-800-742-5593 or write us at prayer at runner.org. Guys, this has been awesome. Yes. But hey, let's get back here tomorrow night because okay. we have another home group. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.